right, welcome to the solution point where we uh, find solutions uh, for your life, the law, and your business. And uh, before we get too far ahead, remember to hit the subscribe button and like this, uh, especially if you like what you hear as you go along. Uh, let me introduce you to my co-host, Catalina Dickerson. Hi, everybody. Now, today we have a, a special guest. He's a good friend of mine from New York. Uh, he's uh, attorney Joseph Mara, and he's going to tell us a little bit about what, what his practice area is there. And, and then he's going to share with us a, uh, a problem and a solution that, that he's got for us. So, uh, Joe, tell us a little bit about yourself. Thank you, Mike. Thank you, Kat. Thank you both for inviting me to participate in this. I was really looking forward to it. A uh, little bit about me. I was born in the Bronx and raised in the Bronx. And um, my first job out of law school was at the Bronx District Attorney's Office. And while I was in law school, I worked for the attorney who was actually Joe Torrey's personal attorney when he managed the Mets. So I got to spend a lot of time around a lot of athletes and go to various events, which was a lot of fun. But I have an accounting background and I started at the Bronx DA's office and thinking I was pretty sophisticated having grown up in the Bronx, it turned out I wasn't that way because even though it was only six or seven miles away where the courthouse was and where everything was happening, it was like a world away compared to the culture and the incidents that I saw. But um, after a couple of years there, I said, well, you know, I really want to go back into the accounting area. And I got a job with Deloitte at that time it was Deloitte Haskins and Sells at, in the tax department, where I also received an LLM in tax. Uh, but after a couple of years there, I really, and by the way, I worked at, on the 101st floor of One World, One World Trade Center when I was there. And actually now my son got a job on the 84th floor of one, the new One World Trade Center. But um, while I was there, I said, this, this is not for me. You know, I can't, I can't do this the rest of my life. I will shoot myself. So I went back to work for the guy I worked for in law school. And then I opened up my own practice. So that's basically uh, married to children. It's basically a little background on me. All right. Well, tell tell us. So, so your your practice area is is kind of in in the business and tax based on your background. It it is. Uh, we do a lot of elder law, and one reason for that, Mike, is when when I was in when I had just gotten out of law school, my mother became very sick, and she was actually sick for seven years before she died. Oh wow! And I found that we were consulting with elder law attorneys, and I said, gee, you know, if if I'm going through this. Look at the aging population. Other people are going to go through it. Yeah. So before I opened my old practice and while I was there, I educated myself a lot on elder law. Yeah. And uh, one thing that was good about that, too, is because I had the criminal background and I worked for a, a generalist before and I worked in tax. People would come with problems. And basically, I didn't have to consult with other attorneys because I had the background in those areas. I mean, you get things like and it happens today, at least up here, you've got two older people in their 70s or even 80s sometimes getting divorced and they have elder law issues. So we can handle both um, at the same time without bringing another another attorney in. So basically, and because of the criminal, I also uh, did a lot of criminal work, particularly early in my career. One thing I did a lot of, uh, we had uh, one of my good friends became a partner and a counsel for the Archdiocese in New York. And back in the late 90s, early 2000s, she referred about 25 cases involving priests and other religious people accused of malfeasance. 
So I handled a number of those, and a few of my cases made it to the front pages of the tabloids here in New York. And one case in particular I'm pretty proud of is a white Irish Marist brother. For those of you who don't know, a brother's like the kind of the male equivalent of a priest who was working in the South Bronx, and he was accused of raping an 11-year-old black student of his. And I don't think he did it, but he did have other issues. He liked to smack kids around. He was kind of a closet alcoholic. So he had other issues, but I don't think he raped his child. And I was able to get him acquitted. And, uh, you know, that was uh, quite an accomplishment in those days. But now the transaction is more morphed into the transactional uh, real estate, estates, estate planning, uh, matrimonial. We still have, a, we have, I have two attorneys working for me, and both of them are doing different things. One in particular is doing most of the litigation work. And then we have other staff helping us out. Great. Well, tell us about the problem and solution that you've, that you've got to, to share with our viewers and listeners. You know, Mike, it's very interesting because I have a problem and I have a solution, but I find that people don't always take your advice and follow the solution. So it still becomes a problem. <laughs> Give you an example. The biggest problem is many times clients do not tell their lawyers everything. Mm -hmm. That is a big problem. Not only that, they sometimes lie to your face. Mm -hmm. Why? I don't know why. I mean, there's many reasons you could say why, but if you really think about it. Um, there aren't any good you, ones. Yeah, there aren't any good ones. And the main reason you're going to an attorney is to assist you. And if he doesn't know all the facts, how is he going to assist you? And people also sometimes don't realize that everything you say is supposed to be confidential. And if it isn't, uh, an attorney can be suspended or lose their license for giving up the information. So, you know, I, if, if somebody in my personal life tells me something, if they don't tell me to be quiet, I'm the biggest gossip and blabbermouth in the world. <laughs> when so many client comes in the office or someone tells me, please don't share it with anyone, it never leaves me. Yeah. And I don't know if people realize that or they don't understand it, but it, it's a common problem. And I'll just give you an example. Um, and now just another example that reared its ugly head after I tell you what my solution is. But someone came into me a number of years ago and he was an older uh, Italian American gentleman and a wife and two kids. And he and the wife came in and basically they said, um, you know, we need wills and everything else. And they came in one of the daughters. So I spoke to the, you know, them and I said you feel comfortable with your daughter here oh yes absolutely I says maybe you wanted to leave no 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 we want to hear okay fine and one of the questions I asked was is anyone in your family under any type of disability no anyone receiving government benefits no and then questions along those lines which I usually ask when you're doing planning for people well a number of years later the uh, wife died then the husband died and guess what I then found out that the daughter who was sitting in the room with me had suffered from severe depression and she was on disability and she was receiving social security disability. And what did that do? It totally blew away the estate plan, right? Because she was getting half the money. And had I known this, we could have set up a supplemental needs trust here in New York to protect the money for her, right? And on top of that, I get a call from the sister who says, you know, my sister's crazy. And I'm like, no. And she tells me, and she says, now she's living in the house. And the other thing that he made me do was give her a life estate in the house. And, you know, I, I basically I'm stuck here until something happens to her and God knows what's going to happen to this house while she's living there. 
So this became a major problem. Um, and if he had told me up front, it would have been something we had dealt with. And just as a PS, as a postscript, I go to a wedding once and I introduce myself to the parents of the bride and they're looking familiar to me. And I'm like, she's, oh, Joe, nice to see you again in the different circumstances. I'm like, who is this? Who is this person, right? That night I go to bed, I wake up in the middle of the night. Now I know who it was. It was one of the, da the daughter who, uh, who didn't have the issue. And needless <laughs> to say, the other sister was not at the wedding. So, <laughs> but, um, and, and what, what do I do? How do I, what's the solution to that problem? It's to try to impress upon the client the importance of it by giving them examples just like this mm -hmm. as to why you need to tell me. Because if you don't, I, can't, I cannot properly help you. Uh, when I was doing the um, cases involving the priests, and this was kind of odd because believe it or not, I once was representing a priest who was the principal of my Catholic high school after I graduated. Okay. Oh, wow. And I told him, I said, look, and I told all the priests that I represented, look, plaintiff's attorneys, the, these are, uh, or the prosecutor, if it was a criminal case, because I handled both of them, defending the, the criminal case and the civil cases. So they have a lot of resources. These are big firms or their government agency. And they're going to be doing a lot of research and everything on you, anything you ever did in life is going to come forward. And if I am blindsided, I am not going to be able to help you. And then I would explain to them cases where that happened. And, you know, most times people will tell you, but even with that, they don't tell you. I had someone come into my office yesterday, as a matter of fact, her friend did a will. And I did the will for the friend back in 2019. And I looked back at my notes and I interviewed her. And she said, um, well, you know, I'm one of seven children. She was from Puerto Rico originally, one of seven children. And, um, she was married, but her husband had predeceased her and she had no children of her own. And immediately, I, I'm sure it's the similar in Texas, but you have to give notice to people who would take if there were no will. Yeah. And I said, well, you know, these other people, they have to be notified and explained everything. And I told her about cases I usually do where I had problems. We had a, one time I had to fly a genealogist in from Italy to prove the family tree and I explained that. Okay, so she tells me I have, out of all these siblings, uh, one of them had one child and another had two children and I'm in contact with them. And, oh, great. So this is, I say, I should still suggest you do a trust, but it's not going to be a big deal if when you die. Okay. Well, now she died and the executor who's a friend comes in and it turns out, and the executor didn't, I said, this is what I need. She said, well, I don't really know. So two of the you know, nieces and a grandniece are listed as beneficiaries. Let's call them. I find out that one of her siblings had between 12 and 18 children and some of them are dead. Wow. And one of the people who was a beneficiary, this is her branch of the family. The decedent sister was this lady's grandmother. It's okay. We well, should be able to, I don't know. I didn't, I don't know. She had so many kids. We don't talk to my cousins. So now this, this is going to be great for me because I'm going to make a lot of money on this case but it's not so good for the beneficiaries of the estate and all of this could have been avoided. And I showed her my notes here. This is what she told me. And I, I specifically asked, you know, and that's why you do that. Right. And, yeah. but people sometimes don't, they don't listen. And, um, but you have to, that's the, basically that's the problem. That's the solution is to basically try to explain to them how it could come back to bite them in the rear end. If they don't disclose 
what they what they really should to me. And but still, that's not a cure all. It's not a total solution. And and you know, Joe, that that's a very good point because we've we've had some some uh, clients come back. Uh, you know, recently, similar, similar case where, you know, I don't know if they do muniments of title in New York. Don't know what uh, that is. Okay. That's probably <laughs> a Texas thing. Basically you just submit the will and the will transfers title. And so we did this for, for a client and I was looking, it was like in 2003. Uh, and I actually even took the case over from somebody else and we did that. And then he's like, Hey, why didn't I get appointed? as the as the executor of the estate you know this is now you know 15 plus years later and it's like well because you had already started down this road and you probably didn't want to pay a lot of fees for administration if all we were doing is transferring the property so now we have to open up an administration and and he's he's you know the 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 one thing is not telling you everything and the second is pretending like they don't understand what you've explained to them five times and well, in writing. <laughs> exactly. Well, that's the other thing too. I, I, I mean, we, we're not always perfect in doing this. Whenever I see an issue, I, I try and send a letter on it or an email and then make sure it's saved. Yeah. And particularly, particularly with the states where there's children involved, where I know it's going to be a problem, where I say you really should do a trust for X, Y, and Z reasons and they don't want to do it. That'll go in a letter. And then when the kids come back, here's the letter. Yeah. I sent this to mom and mom didn't want to follow my advice. So yeah. you bring up a good point. I mean, and it's, it's that documentation, you know, it's that due diligence and this, that's another solution to it. And it's, you know, it takes that effort, but it is well worth it because you, you know, it's, it's verbally what in here out the other and on paper it does you know does make a difference i have a question here you talked about um you know impressing on them the importance of how important it is um and we were talking and mentioning about attorney client privilege um do you think maybe there is and i i can i mean i'm just thinking about it. i can imagine that people it might be lost on people of what that phrase means you know in such a world where social media and you express every whim you know and every you know talking point it's so easy to communicate that we're in a kind of a mindset that you know what let me shut my mouth because i don't really know what's going on you know could there be you know more awareness should we should we as attorneys be you know more uh vigilant in, in creating more of this awareness well, you know, that is a very good point, but people, I mean, people are not going to believe you. I, I know that it's happened to me where people that I'm close to would prefer to go to a stranger. And I've had, I just had, uh, there's an elder law attorney here in Westchester County, New York, where I am. He used to, he actually used to be a neighbor of mine and he's one of the top elder law attorneys in the county. And just recently his wife's first cousin came to me and she's very close to the wife but she says I, you, you're probably wondering why I'm not going to Anthony and I'm like oh yeah I just don't really want them involved in this level but just he's na she's naming the wife as you know so what, for whatever reason people also think that okay even though you're not you don't specifically disclose it well how do I know you're not going to disclose it like you may mm -hmm. disclose it or you may do it in a way that you can't be found uh, guilty of disclosing it right. but you're still going to convey the issue it's a culture, so i don't know 
it's a culture of mistrust that has been incubated. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and, and we need it, to kind of break that down. And so, yeah, it's, it's important. It's important to, it, it, and, and we, it, we stress that with our employees because maybe it's not the attorney, but then they might mistrust, you know, the staff as a whole. Mm-hmm. And, and we make sure that, that we let our, our staff know, you know, that that is, there are boundaries, you know, that, that have to be abided by. It's very important, very important. And, and I think, you know, our, our brethren attorneys don't, don't help the, the, the situation because, you know, you, you, you know there, there's always the, the watering hole where, where attorneys hang out and you can, you can kind of sit and, and listen like a fly on the wall and you can figure out who they're talking about, especially if you're in a small town. Oh yeah, my client said, you know, my client, I'm not going to tell you who it is, but he's the guy that has the trucks and this and that and the other. And so he's in this problem that's been in the newspaper and that's my client. And so this is what we're going to do. And it's like, okay, everybody knows who you're talking about. Even though you didn't say the name, everybody knows who you're talking about. And so that, that kind of puts a, a perception that, that, you know, they're not going to, disclose the name but right your 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 dirty laundry is still going to be be um uh exposed it's just there nobody's going to know it's not going to have your name on it like like one of our scout masters uh used to say you know tell your parents not to put your name on your underwear because if you lose them you don't want them to find it find out who they were who they were so so uh so i mean i think that's that's kind of as professionals, we need to we need to tighten the ship. Uh, and and I, I know you, you I'm, I'm speaking to the choir, but I think that's something important. The the other example that I've used, especially when I've had some some clients that had like some sensitive stuff that they're like, I really you know need to be able to talk to you about this stuff and that it's not going to leave this room. Uh, and I say, look, it's I'm kind of like the priest in, in the confessional, except you get to pay me. Uh, <laughs> so they, it, it kind of helps, you know, we're, we're predominantly Catholic uh, city. So, uh, you know, it, it's not lost on, on, on people. Mm-hmm. But that's, that's another way that I try to kind of put forth that, you know, if, you know, whatever you tell me is, is, is completely confidential. Um, and, and, you know, the, the other thing is, like you said, you, you're only hurting yourself by not telling me everything because there could be a ticking time bomb that, that's going to be, that's going to blow up and it, it may blow up when your grandkids receive things and not, you know, I'm not going to be here anymore. And, and it's going to be more difficult to fix the problem after two or three generations of people are, are gone and you don't have any living people to sign something or to be able to swear an affidavit or anything because they were never around. They never saw these people. They never met them. They, they don't have any knowledge. So. But it's interesting. People not telling you the facts or actually lying to you. It's just, yeah. a, it's just amazing. Here's an example. I had this couple that was going through a very contentious divorce and uh, they had adult children. They were together 25 plus years. It was, you know, you're wondering why it got to this point, but be that as it may, mm-hmm. she took out an order of protection against him. Okay. And uh, basically a total stay away order of protection, stay away. And I don't know how Texas enforces these things, but New York is crazy the way enforced them. 
So one day he is driving by the house. He just where she's living, driving by the house. She's driving the other way and she sees him. She goes to the DA's office, takes out a complaint that he violated the order of protection. And I'm like, I called him, I said, it was a total stay away. What you doing? All I was doing was driving by the house. I says, well, I understand that, but it's total stay away. I means stay away from the house. You had no reason to be there. What were you doing? Well, that's my normal route to work. You know, my, I had his own business and he was in, it's funny, New York, just as a quick, before he did the story, it's New York is a huge place, as you know, I mean, we're tri-state area with 25 million plus, but still it's an area of neighborhoods. And our neighborhoods are like your little villages and towns, right? So where this person lived, he was in that neighborhood. I mean, he moved from one, moved out of the house, got an apartment in the neighborhood. His business was in another part in the neighborhood. And he said, well, look, if you look at a map, this is the fastest way to go by. Okay, well, that's a defense. Now, this is a misdemeanor, by the way, in New York. Misdemeanor. Okay. So we go to court and we go to trial and I put him on the stand. And guess what he says? I had no reason for being there. I just wanted to drive by the house to see how the house looked. Oh. <laughs> and I'm sitting there like, what? You know, like, what? And after that, he got convicted. I said, what are you, you told me, like, and repeatedly, we went over this. And just what you, you told showed me. showed me the never, map. Right. So I'm like, oh, I don't know. But he lied. He made up a lie. And then he, for some reason, when he got on the stand, I guess he swore and uh, he couldn't lie on the road. And he told yeah. the truth. And to be honest, Joseph, I mean, that could be very well the truth. In his, the core, mm. <laughs> his heart was exposed. And, you know, it, it came out like true love. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but he probably wanted to see, you know, who's around, how's it looking, is it in shambles, but yeah, right. the, the truth comes out and, and guess what? The consequences then follow. Yeah, I mean, I, I tell people these stories all the time. This is why you need to tell me, you don't wanna waste hours telling them, you tell them one or two that maybe will make a point and you move on, but yeah. it doesn't always work. Yeah, yeah. Like, like, I always, like I always say, um, you, you can't save somebody from themselves. This is true, you know, and so we we can just do the best we can, and and hopefully, you know, people watch this this podcast, uh, YouTube video. When you go see your lawyer, they're there to help you, and if you tie their hands, they're not going to be able to help you. And by not providing them with all of the information and being truthful, that's that's going to wind up creating a problem because the truth will always come out, and almost assuredly, it will come out at the worst possible moment for you. And, and that's, I mean, it just, that's the way it works. And, and it's going to come back and bite you eventually. So, so definitely, uh, I hope, I hope that, that everybody uh, who's out there and, and is talking to their attorney, you know, just tell them, tell them what you've got going on. Uh, don't hold back because, you know, you're only hurting yourself. Now I don't I don't want to abuse your 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 time, uh, Joe. So tell you know here here in, on the solution point, we always we always like to wrap up with uh, sharing a core value, you know, and, and core values are real important in our firm. And I know I know that that, that you have you have your core values, uh, and I think the idea of core values uh, is important for people, especially when they're starting out in business and even starting out in their lives. 
to to have some core values so that you always have a touchstone as to you know hey i'm i've got this in front of me is this should i should i move forward and and do this or is it is it against what what i stand for and if you don't stand for anything you'll fall for anything so um so why don't you you share with us your 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 core value one of my major core values is to be as open and honest as possible and why is that from a purely selfish and business point of view why is that important your reputation as an attorney is everything okay and if your colleagues your adversaries know that you're an upfront person you're going to be handled one way with them if your clients know that you know i mean we one thing I, I you have to be open and as upfront and as honest as possible and sometimes that's difficult. And here's, here's an example of, of earlier in my practice and my associates, especially when you have younger associates, it's hard to drill this into them. You have a client who, and obviously to most people aren't constantly dealing with attorneys, right? It's usually a very traumatic thing in their life. And it's the most important thing in their life. It may be the most important thing in their life at that moment. But you have multiple clients who you're dealing with their most important thing in their life, but obviously can't be the most important thing in your life. And it can't be the most important, not always the most important thing in your practice. And it's hard to tell people that, but you also, you have to prioritize and you have to make it known. Here's a typical example. Mrs. Smith called, she wants to know what's going on with her case. And you start thinking, oh Jesus, you know, like I had this other stuff. It was much more of a priority. There was a statute of limitations deadline. There was this, I had to do a closing, whatever it is. And you felt in your mind that Mrs. Smith's case was could have been was able to be backburnered for you. Now, strategically, that was a good decision. And are you hurting Mrs. Smith? No, you're not. But most people, most attorneys don't want to convey that in some way to Mrs. Smith. And what happens? They don't communicate back. Mm -hmm. And that is the worst thing you can do because you'll see the most bar complaints against the least in this area are for attorneys not getting back to their clients. Yep. And what I do, what I try to do, and I try to impress this on people, look, I know your matter is important, but I am sorry. There are, there's something else that was an emergency that we had to look at, and you are on the schedule for this day. And try like hell to keep to the day you told them they're on the schedule for. Yeah. And if you can't, don't let it blow by. Send them an email or call. Say, look, I'm sorry. I told you I'd be this would be done by Wednesday, but it's going to get done by tomorrow. Something. Mm -hmm. You have to do that because if you don't, you're just going to have a lot of unhappy clients, and you're going to lose clients, and it's going to wreck your reputation. Mm -hmm. And the right. reputation is the most important thing you have. And it kind of brings me back to um, a little bit about what uh, Richard James uh, spoke about. We had Richard on the on the show, um, and Richard is a mentor for for the three of us. And we talked about profitability and how you know how to maximize your profit. And the foundation to it is by making sure that you give the utmost best service. And a big part of the utmost best service is just giving that quick little follow up call. And like you said we apologize, you know, and you don't even have to apologize. You say, we have you, um, 
you know, on our list of, of projects or what we're working on. And like you said, something came right, right in front of it. But I want you to know that we didn't forget about you. Then that's the thing is they're, they're waiting by the phone. They, for whatever case it might be, it is their, it is the center of their world at that moment. Mm-hmm. It is the thorn in their side. And we have to remember that to have compassion and to, to remember that, just that little touch, it, it will put them at ease. They'll be able to sleep at night. You know, um, it, it makes a bit world of difference. And and I, when, when we get the calls in, I'm kind of like, I'm the overseeing That's how we handle it here. And everyone's really good about, you know, touching base with the calls. We have systems to make sure that we're ahead of it as well, but I'll be looking at it and I'm like, okay. And I see this call and I'm going to forward it to y'all. Who's on top of this? I want to know who's going to be giving them a call back sometime today. Oh, that's mine. I'll take care of it. I'll call them after lunch. Great. You know, and it's also that internal communication with your team too. And, and so they know that it's important and, and know that we, it's important to get back to, to the people we serve. And, and yeah. along those lines, uh, you know, sometimes there's some time frames that are outside of our control, like hearings getting set. And, and I don't know how it is in New York, but you know, probate is is probably low on the totem pole because it's like all right they're not going to get any more debt so we're we, we don't we, we we don't there's not an urgency you know if it's criminal well we've we've got to get them processed within a certain time because of their constitutional rights uh divorce hey well there could be some some uh you know stay away orders so we need to move these quick to get them to get them divorced so that that way you know we can keep the peace uh personal injury cases uh, we need to get those cases settled so that the the plaintiffs' attorneys can continue making their their campaign contributions and, <laughs> and keep keep things going. Now we can deal with whatever's left, you know. And so, you know, sometimes it's it's a bit slower uh, in the probate side. Plus, there's a lot of you know administrative hoops that, that that we need to run through. And even when we explain it to to the clients they 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 hear it and they understand what you're the words you're saying but but then when they nothing happens for two months they're like did did you forget about my case uh what's going on and so we 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 have you know we we keep keep connecting with the clients on a regular basis one of the one of the counties in which we we work uh hidalgo county we we had filed about two or three cases back in march we just now got the attorney at Lightham appointed like last week. Uh, and they're set for for initial hearing in December. Oh, and, and just so for our viewers, it's it's July 22nd. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Not unusual. Yeah. We're, we're kind of in the same boat. And, and, and that's kind of, you know, here in Webb County, you know, our, our judges, uh, they they when they came in, their their predecessors had long delaying courts so they kind of came in with the mandate of moving cases quickly so our our web county courts man they they really move the cases quick we get the initial hearing we get the 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 pr appointed personal representative appointed whether it's executor administrator they move them quickly and then once once they're appointed then now 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 you can kind of take your time in the distribution and inventories and stuff like that but it's that beginning part that's really necessary. But sometimes clients don't understand. It's not in our control. It's the court's docket. The court's the one that schedules it. And we call them. We, you know, so my, my staff knows 
even if nothing's happening, you need to reach out to them, tell them, hey, we've been calling the court. They still don't have a date. We haven't forgotten about you. We're, we're, still, we're still on it. So that's, it's just for them not, to, not hearing anything, people don't jump to good conclusions. Oh, I haven't heard anything. Everything must be going perfectly fine. So the lawyer doesn't want to worry me about, about any, anything that's going good. You know, if it was yeah. going bad, they yeah. would call me. And it's, you know, that people would want to not call if there was things were going bad. But people jump to the conclusion of, I haven't heard anything. There must be a crisis. Something must be going going off the rails. So. Well, it's interesting you say that, too, because my uh, I live and work in Westchester County. If you're looking mm -hmm. at a map, you have Manhattan. Just north of Manhattan is the Bronx, where I grew up. Right. And then just north of that is Westchester and each court, each county, each area. Those are different counties, even though New York City is five counties, by the way. That's how it's set up. So Bronx County is a world onto its own. So I have cases in all of those counties and other counties in the area, but particularly Westchester and the Bronx. And you might get someone come in and say, hey, you know, we had a similar my uncle or my cousin or my had a case like this in Westchester. And it was handled in two months. What's going on? Well, eh, you're in the Bronx. <laughs> it's like this case is the Bronx. Forget yeah. it. Yeah. It takes two months in Westchester, takes eight months in the Bronx. So yeah. that's another thing that people uh, don't understand. But, you, you know, you can also use that in life, right? I, I have a friend, uh, a woman who is in her 40s, never married, no children, a professional person. And um, she started dating a man. And... Uh, really really fell for the guy a very nice guy and but he has two younger children and she never had children and um she said uh well you know i really like him i said one thing you have to understand is is this the first relationship he's having after his divorce yes it is and he has young children yes it if he's the man you think he is you are going to be number two in his life until these children are adults, at least, and maybe beyond. Mm -hmm. I said, and you, you got kids here who are 10 and eight. He's going to want to be at every baseball game, every dance recital, every soccer match. He's going to want to be there. And if that interferes with his social life with you, I'm telling you what to expect. And you mm -hmm. could tell the person that and then six months later, we're having a conversation. I really like him. He's a really nice guy, but you know, it's so hard with these kids. He's always got to be there. And what did we talk about six months ago? And she goes, yeah, you're right. But it's one thing when you're telling somebody, another thing when you're living through it, you know? <laughs> yeah. So you could tell people everything, but once they're living through it, they have a different perspective Yeah. and they may not remember what you told them or I don't know. They may conveniently forget it. Yeah. Right. Well, it was fantastic. Uh, talking to you, Joseph. We look forward to seeing you uh, soon. And when we get together, all of us uh, party animal attorneys, yeah. just kidding. <laughs> well, but we was, missed you. We haven't yeah, seen you in a while. Yeah, last time I saw you guys, I think was November of 19 so in person. Yeah. Oh, wow. So, so I'm looking forward to seeing you guys. It's going to be real good. I was trying to convince my wife to come, but she does not want to come this time. Maybe Aww. in November. I'll tell her I'm going to be November. there. We can hang out. I'll tell her that, Kat, without a doubt. All right. Thanks right. so much. Thank you very much. So much. Again, again if, if you if you like what you heard, hit the subscribe button, click the little bell so you'll get reminders of the um, 
of where when when you can uh, get to see a new broadcast. And Joe, thank you very much. Uh, My pleasure. Wanna, you want to you want to share your your website or communicate how how people can contact you if they need your help in 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 New York City. Sure, we're we're in New York. I'm also admitted in New Jersey, but we handle only Bergen County for the most part in New Jersey. Although we do handle some other counties, if it's worth it. But generally, just Bergen. Uh, but our phone number is 914-964-6806, 914-964-6806. And uh, our website, where you can do a chat on the website and send us an email through the website, very simple, www.mara, M-A-R-R-A, maralawlaw.com. So, and, all, and the email is the firm email is pretty simple too. It's marilaw at marilaw.com. Oh, that's easy. Yeah. Sounds good. We'll have that in our description and let people know that they can uh, get a hold of you over there. All thank right. you. Well, thanks, Ken. Thanks again. And thank thanks, you for, for, for listening or watching uh, the Solution Point Solutions for Your Life, Your Business, and the Law. See you Bye, everybody. next time. Bye-bye. Thank you.